Kitco News special coverage of the Denver Gold Forum is brought to you by New Pacific Metals. Our next guest is David Garofalo, Chairman and CEO of Gold Royalty. Welcome to the show. Thank you for being here. Good to see you, David. It's good to see you in person, finally. We spoke about the existential crisis of gold in the sector last time you were on the show. You have some good news first. You have a very bullish forecast. We'll be talking about the macroeconomics around gold. But first, busy year for you for acquisitions. First, LE Gold Royalty, and now you're merging with Abitibi Royalty. And uh, tell us about that new deal. Yeah, so it's actually a three-way merger between Abitibi uh, royalties, Golden Valley Mines and Royalties, and ourselves, uh, Gold Royalty Corp. And uh, it creates a company with a combined market cap of three quarters of a billion dollars US uh, NYSE listing, so a deep liquid market. Combined basis will have almost 200 royalties, uh, seven of them in production, another eight of them in the construction stage. And so we have quite a significant upward trajectory in our cash flows over the next five years. How, what does this change in terms of demographics and geographies of your, uh, of your portfolio? Well, it actually continues to skew it to the two best jurisdictions in the world, Quebec and Nevada. Um, 54% of our portfolio will be in those two jurisdictions, as rated by the Fraser Institute, both for mineral potential and low political risk and, and a rational regulatory framework to get new mine development done. And so that's been a deliberate part of our strategy. We're ex exclusively America's focused, um, both in North and South America. And we're entirely, almost entirely focused on gold and precious metals. So about 90% of our exposure is precious metals. Investors might ask you, well, being the two best highly rated jurisdictions in the world, they might command an extremely high premium when it comes to acquisitions and deals. Was that, would, would that be true? Look, I, I think we paid a fair value and we're offering a fair value for Golden Valley and Abitibi. But we see tremendous re-rate potential within this larger portfolio. Golden Valley and Abitibi were very much focused on the Canadian Malartic mine, right. which is the largest gold mine in Canada. And we're going to have a royalty on that. That's going to be a foundational asset for us. But that's complementing a portfolio of over 190 other royalties across the Americas. So it creates scale. And scale begets higher multiples, which begets a lower cost of capital, which allows us to continue to grow and add more royalties, much more cost effective with a much higher rate of return. Does this change your portfolio of metals? Are you still focused primarily on gold? It'll be entirely focused on precious metals with a small component of byproducts and copper and, and whatnot. But, you know, 90% of our exposure is precious metals, and we're likely to stay in that kind of area for the foreseeable future. Why is that? I mean, there, there's a lot of shifts going on in the marketplace. People are producing and exploring more on the base metal side, but you're planning to stay out for the foreseeable future. Look, I, I would say that uh, focused companies attract uh, a certain class of investors. They're looking for focus both geographically, uh, they're looking for focus in terms of low political risk, but also in terms of metal exposure. And it's been demonstrated time again that precious metal focused companies get the best multiples. Okay, interesting. So. Now, uh, in terms of your future growth, are you planning, well, you don't have to be specific, but are you planning more acquisitions? Are you planning to expand your current portfolio? Are you planning to get some of your projects online into production? What is your plan here? It's really all of the above. We have a lot of organic growth. As I said, we have seven cash flowing royalties on our pro forma basis after this merger is complete, eight in the development stage. So they're actively under construction. So that'll provide meaningful cash flow growth for the foreseeable future. And then we have a broad spectrum of royalties, 180 other royalties uh, from early stage exploration to feasibility study, which will provide meaningful cash flow growth for the foreseeable future. And we also have a generative platform in Quebec, in Nevada. And we also have a digital platform uh, where we have terabytes of information that generates us 
royalty opportunities um, uh, you know, out, of our, out of our computer systems. That provides a meaningful pipeline of growth without us having to do any acquisitions going forward for a very, very long period of time. But I, I'd be lying if I didn't say there's scope for consolidation among the royalty players. There's been a proliferation of these royalty companies that have come into the sector over the last half, half a decade or so. And many of them are zombies because they can't raise money. They're too illiquid, they're too small, and if they can't raise money, they can't deploy capital, they can't grow. And so they're just stuck. And so I think the music has started and we've started the music. And I think the chairs are diminishing in number. And I think you're going to see less and less in these royalty companies because critical mass matters. Tell us about the financing of this deal and the merger. How is it financed? It's a share for share exchange. And, and really, um, when we talked to the big shareholders of Abitibi and Golden Valley, that's what they wanted. They didn't want to cash out. They wanted to trade into a bigger vehicle. Okay for the potential for a double bump. We've offered them a meaningful premium up front. Yeah. In the case of, of Abitibi, it was almost 30%. In the case of Golden Valley, almost 90%. Yeah. But also they see the potential to see their assets re-rated within this bigger portfolio, sure. help us achieve a higher multiple, and they'll participate in that as shareholders. How is the management team going to be consolidated? Well, we're going to be adding Glenn Mullen onto the board. Glenn is the, uh, the founder of both Golden Valley and Abitibi, and he's a very prolific prospector in the Quebec region. So he provides that organic generative model for us in Quebec that will continue to feed our pipeline for the foreseeable future. Yeah. Really beyond that, it's a very, very small group. And that's the beauty of our business. It's very scalable. You know, we have a half a dozen uh, full-time employees. We could build a business 10 times the size with the same human footprint. We don't need to scale up. And you'll be retaining your role as chairman and CEO? That's right. Okay. I'm just reading the press release here. Combined, you'll have an expected $47 million in cash. What do you plan to do with that cash? And, and no debt, I would add. So we have lots of no debt, debt capacity given the cash flow that we have. So that means we'll be able to continue to deploy capital and meaningful growth opportunities. And most recently, we put capital directly to work with Monarch Resources, or, which are restarting the Beaufort mine in, in the Abitibi region of Quebec. Right. And we're helping to start a restart, you know, and then that's really what royalty companies are designed to do is provide a source of capital for developers and explorers so they can de-risk their projects, bring them into production, and we get a royalty back on these, these opportunities. Tell us about the value added of investing in a royalty company like yourself. An investor might ask, why don't I just buy an ETF? Or why don't I just pick these companies directly myself and make my own basket? Look, you know, there's a few ways to play gold. You yeah. can buy the physical, and, sure. and the ETF is, is a proxy for that. Uh, you can buy the gold producers, and the gold producers provide leverage to the gold price and leverage to expiration success. But they have a lot of risk associated with uh, input cost inflation. And I think that's starting to rear its head uh, again. We're seeing that against a, a backdrop of inflation in the general economy. But given the significant amount of underinvestment we've seen in the space over the last half a dozen years or so, yeah. there's going to be a meaningful amount of capital deployed into new mine development, yeah. which will drive input costs up dramatically. We're starting to see the evidence of that in, in selected projects. We're going to see broad-based inflation. So the best of all worlds is the royalty business because it provides you leverage to the expiration upside, leverage of the gold price, it's top line exposure, right. without any exposure to the underlying input costs, inflation. I will note that the gold royalty corp stock has outperformed the GDXJ uh, ETF, the Vanek Junior Gold Mining ETF this year, year to date. Am I correct in saying that? It, it is, and, it, and the reason that is is because of the re-rate that I've been talking about. We actually saw a 40% re-rate in our stock as a result of the Ely acquisition. 
And that's on a relative basis because the sector was down 15% over that period while we consummated that deal and our stock held value and actually went up. So that's a 40% outperformance. We, we not only preserve value for our shareholders, but delivered a re-rate on this. We see the same sort of re-rate potential within the acquisition of Golden Valley and Abitibi as well. An investor might ask, well, how is this outperform? Well, you talked about it right now, but is it also due to the fact that you've, you've picked superior products versus let's say, um, a gold mining ETF that is a select basket of different miners, but maybe you have a more stringent selection process when picking something in your portfolio. Well, it is a quality proposition. I talked about our political, uh, our political focus, our geopolitical focus in the Americas and low political risk jurisdictions with solid operators, but also very, very solid assets that have been acquired. Ely had a very, uh, very broad portfolio of both cash flowing assets and early stage opportunities that vastly increased the scale of our portfolio. And Canadian Malartic provides us exposure to Canada's biggest gold mine and arguably the best jurisdiction in the world in Quebec. Interesting. So you're obviously very bullish on gold because you're 90% plus in gold now. Tell us about why. Tell us about your outlook and why you're bullish. Well, I mean, just look at headline inflation numbers. They severely underestimate and understate what inflation is it right now. Um, you know, the headline numbers are five, six, seven percent. Yeah. Uh, you know, anybody that's bought a house or has to buy food or fuel is paying well above that in terms of, of real inflation. So that's going to underpin gold's performance for the foreseeable future. The other factor, of course, is continued quantitative easing, which is driving that inflation, low interest rates, which is driving that inflation. Those factors are here to stay for the foreseeable future. Yeah. And I think gold goes to 3000 in that environment. And I didn't just pick that number out of my hat. Uh, gold's all-time peak in real terms was actually achieved in 1981 when the nominal gold price was 850 an ounce. That's right. That would be $3,000 an ounce in 2021. That's what I think I see in this cycle. And the reason you want to be in royalty companies with that kind of pronounced increase in the gold price versus the producers is we protect you from cost inflation. We provide you that top-line exposure to the gold price without the exposure to the input cost inflation, which I think is inevitable against that backdrop of general inflation. How are you able to do that? Because that is a concern from investors I've talked to at the conference. Margin squeezes. Yeah, we don't, we don't worry about margin because we take a percentage of the top line. We take a percentage of revenue. Okay, um, $3,000 gold. So last year, now, a lot of people were bullish on gold during, uh, during the run, the rally we saw. In fact, Bank of America was bullish. They even put out a $3,000 gold target, if I remember correctly. And uh, so it's good to see large Wall Street firms being bullish on gold. Of course, everybody missed estimates last year because gold didn't go to $3,000 yet. So what's different this year versus last year, you think? Well, I think the fact that we're seeing headline inflation numbers really pick up dramatically. Right. I think people are really worried about preserving their wealth in that type of environment. And to an extent, they've been doing that through the equity markets. The equity markets have continued to achieve new highs every day. But also they've been looking at cryptocurrencies, and I would say cryptocurrencies have stolen some of our market share. But we expect to claw some of that back in the gold sector, in my view, because there's just too much volatility in the cryptocurrency market to be seen as a preserver of wealth and preserver of capital. Gold is much more stable. Um, it's, it's finite in quantity. That's certainly not the case for cryptocurrencies. Uh, there's infinite. It's a fiat currency like any other. Uh, there's been a proliferation of new cryptocurrencies that have been introduced in the market to compete with Bitcoin. And so there's an illusion of scarcity, but that's not the fact uh, with cryptocurrencies. We expect uh, that uh, the, as, as new cryptocurrencies are introduced in the market, as central banks get into the game and actually introduce digital currencies of their own, right. the recapture, it just becomes a fiat currency like anything else. Right. Gold is very finite in quantity. In fact, 
There's a remarkable inelasticity of supply to price. As the gold price has been going up over the last several years, supply has actually plateaued and started to go down. And so we can't build mines fast enough in response to, to accelerated gold price appreciation. That's true. There are an infinite number of coins you could possibly make but uh, uh, for cryptocurrencies. But uh, bullish people who are you know, invested in cryptocurrencies would argue that, yes, well, David, look at the tens of thousands of altcoins that have already been created. It hasn't really significantly deterred Bitcoin from climbing to new all-time highs. How would you respond to that? Well, I'd say it's inevitable that the central banks will try to uh, repatriate their control over currencies. Yes. And I would say then it just becomes a fiat currency like everything else. And then it's lowest common denominator. Um, and uh, you're going to see a lot of air come out of that market because, again, it's an illusion. The scarcity is an illusion in cryptocurrency market. It's, okay. it's just an illusion. Whereas gold is as physical quantity, physical properties. It's very, very finite. There's 200,000 tons of gold that's been produced since the beginning of man. Yeah. Um, and, and it's, we only add 4,000 tons a year to supply. Right. So 5% to supply per annum. And it's going down in terms of the supply we're adding. So there is true scarcity in gold, and that's certainly not the case with cryptocurrency. There will be a, a, a coming, a, you know, a, a coming out of, of the cryptocurrencies, a, a reduction of volatility, a, a reduction, I think, in valuation, quite dramatic reduction in valuation as people realize that these currencies are being um, increased in volume uh, without any, any controls whatsoever. Is that capital necessarily going to flow into gold? I think it'll flow into hard assets, generally speaking, and gold in particular, because people are looking to preserve their capital. And gold is the one currency that's been around since um, well, really four millennia and is finite in quantity. And that's not true for any fiat currency in the world right now. Interesting. Uh, how do you see the U.S. dollar performing over the next year and a half? Look, I think the U.S. dollar is still going to be a, a reserve currency of choice. It's still 60% of global central bank reserves. Um, I see actually um, other currencies collapsing against the U.S. dollar as there's a flight out of fiat currencies into hard assets. Right. So you don't think central bank digital currencies will present a major challenge to traditional currencies like the U.S. dollar? No. Again, as, as these central banks start to digitize those currencies or start to uh, introduce digitized currencies of their own, I think they're just going to capture market share from the big coins of the world. I have to ask you this question for fun. Would you ever consider mining cryptocurrencies? I wouldn't even know where to start. You wouldn't take your $47 million and make a, make a rig? No. No, no. I know what I know, and I don't know cryptocurrencies. So. Well, you could say, well, look, people could say, well, David, you're diversified now. Now you've got the best of both worlds. <laughs> no, no. We'll stay focused on mine. Look, if you look at our board of management, it, yeah. it, they come from an operating and development background. It's what they know. It's, it's their subject matter expertise, and we're leveraging that expertise to grow our business meaningfully. And it's been very successful up to this point doing just that. Okay. Well, best of luck with the new venture and the merger, and uh, David will... Catch up again soon and talk about the markets. Thank you very Thanks, much David. for coming on the show. It's good seeing you again. Good seeing you. And thank you for watching Kitco News. We'll have more for you from Denver. Kitco News special coverage of the Denver Gold Forum is brought to you by New Pacific Metals.